Praise the name of Jesus. I want to begin a new series today, and it is one that I think is probably of the utmost importance, especially for the day and times in which we are living. And the series is entitled, It's Time to Pray. Deep, huh? You'd be surprised how deep that is. It's time to pray. When we look at this particular story here, we find that Jesus is about to go and do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He was about to go to the cross and pay for our sins. He was going to die in our place. And prior to him doing that, he takes this moment and he decides that he is going to pray. And it is important for us to look at him as the example that he is because Jesus, our Savior, is truly an example of one who was given to prayer. When you look at his life throughout the Gospels, when you look at the things that have been recorded about him, you find that he was praying while others were resting. While others were resting, the Bible says that he would get up early in the morning and he would go and be with the Lord. He would go and be with his father. And early in the morning, everyone else is sleeping. Everyone else is going into that third rollover in the bed. Hello? And Jesus was up seeking the face of the Father. Jesus was up preparing himself for the, for the relationship or, or the time that he was going to be on this earth for whatever that day had for him. We also see that while others were sleeping at night, the scriptures say that Jesus spent the whole night on top of a mountain seeking the face of God. So while others were sleeping, he was what? He was praying. We know that before Jesus entered into ministry, the Bible says that he went, he was baptized in the Jordan, and then the scripture says that the Spirit led him, and he went and he fasted for 40 days. Amen? The Spirit led him into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days. He fasted for 40 days and sought the face of God before he went into ministry. When I was thinking about that, I said, man, imagine if that was the prerequisite for someone to be in leadership in the church. I bet you that would cut the fat right quick. 40-day fast, yep, that's for someone else. Mm-hmm. If it was in my jurisdiction, which it is not, I would make that a prerequisite. I wish I could have had a conference with the Holy Father, hallelujah, and been like, Daddy, can we just make this a rule? Glory to God. It'll help us all. But you know what? Not so much cut the fat in that sense. You know what it would do when you get in the face of God like that? You know what happens to you? You are transformed. The Bible says that he was, the spirit came upon him. When he came out of that desert wilderness, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the power of the spirit, that he was now in the power of the spirit when he came out of that wilderness time with the Lord. And so that's why I say a prerequisite, not because I'm trying to be mean, but because I realize the need that there is for power. Hello, somebody. And I realize that that power doesn't come because you're cute. That power doesn't come because you went to Bible college. That power doesn't come because you sat under a powerful ministry. That power doesn't come because you know powerful people. That power doesn't come because you have a calling on your life alone. That power comes because you are spending consecrated, separated, not only quantity, but quality time with the Lord. But don't forget the quantity. Because oftentimes we think, oh, you know what, I'm just going to spend time with the Lord, you know, five, ten minutes and I'm good. Listen, church, God wants more from us. That's why the title of this series is, It is Time to Pray. 
We've talked about new beginnings. We've talked about moving forward. And so, okay, what is going to propel us? What is going to continue to move us in the direction that God is calling us? Well, it is going to be prayer. So while others were sleeping, others were resting, Jesus was praying. While others were sleeping and, or, or feasting, Jesus was fasting. While others were in sorrow of soul and they were sleeping because of their sorrow. Y'all remember when you were young and you got a beat down and you just fell asleep? <laughs> and you just fell asleep like that? The last thing you remember, and you woke up like eight hours later. Y'all remember them beat down? Hello, somebody. I got a few of those. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you understand what it is to sleep because of sorrow. Hello. This, so, so, so when you look at this, where, where do I get that from? Well, I just want you to write these scriptures down. The book of Luke chapter 22, verse 39 to verse 46, and the book of Mark chapter 14, verse 32 to 42. These are the two other accounts of these scriptures here. And it tells us why the disciples were sleeping. And so by my estimation, that would be a partially decent reason why you were sleeping because your soul was so sorrowful. But here's what happened. While they were sorrowfully soaking in sleep, he was sorrowfully surrendering in prayer. While they were sorrowful, what their sorrow brought them to was, man, I can't take this and I'm going to go ahead and go to sleep. But his sorrow brought him to the place, and when you read these other accounts, brought him to the place where he began to sweat like blood drops because he was was so intensely crying out to the Father. The book of Hebrews says that he was crying out to God Almighty, praying prayers that were heard by the Father. So when he was in the garden and he was crying out to the Father, the Father heard his cry. The Father heard, but he was in his soul. In in, in one translation in the Amplified, it says that he was greatly, you know, sorrowful and even depressed i mean he was weighted down why did he why was he weighed down church why was he he was weighed down because he was about to enter into drinking the cup of god's wrath understand me jesus was not so concerned about the beating he was going to take that was going to be bad Jesus was not over here fearful because they were going to spit in his face. That was going to be horrible. Jesus was going through the sorrow of soul because he began to to experience what the wrath of God was going to feel like. For the first time, you're going to see it. And, 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 you know, for the ladies that were here and for those of you that have been to those services where they do, you know, the seven last words of Jesus. You know, Jesus is up on that cross and he says one, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? That is the first time in 33 years of life that Jesus felt separated from the father. The first time. Every other time that Jesus walked on the earth, he knew the kingdom is with me. My daddy is with me. We're moving forward. This one time he's hanging on that cross and he's alone. He's by himself. He feels separated. Why? Because of our sin. It wasn't because of anything he did. He didn't deserve that feeling. He didn't deserve that desperation. But Jesus takes this moment and rather than falling asleep and saying, you know what? I'm just going to take a nap until this time. What does he do? He prays. He prays. He comes before the Father in prayer, seeking the face of the Lord. Just as Christ understood the importance of prayer for his time on earth, so the apostles understood the importance of prayer for themselves and for the saints. I want to say this very clearly. Prayer is not an optional discipline. Do you hear what I said? Prayer is not an optional discipline. It is a required discipline. 
Prayer is not just a simple, casual conversation with your friend God, but it is the greatest privilege we have been given as well as the most important responsibility that we have been entrusted with. Now, don't get it twisted because I don't want to get overly religious on you because I know some people get offended. Oh, well, Bishop, I thought it is conversation with God. Notice what I said. It is not simply. Because the problem with us is that we begin to become under-religious. We begin to become, oh, well, you know, it's, it's just conversation, so where did, there, there doesn't need to be any real deep dedication to this. There doesn't need to be a real devotion to this. There doesn't need to be a growing in this area because it's just conversation, so I'm just going to talk to God. Listen, if you want to really get deep with God, trust me, your prayer life is going to transform. If you really intend on getting deep with him, it's not something that we just, okay, well, maybe I want to pray. No, 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 no. Wrong mindset. Wrong mindset. Prayer is something that is vital to the church, but more so vital to the world. Understand this. The world is depending on your prayers. Now, you didn't get that. The world, the lost, are depending on your prayers. Your family members are depending on your prayers. They don't realize that they're depending on your prayers, but they are depending on your prayers. This world is dependent upon a church that is praying for their deliverance, for their salvation, for their transformation, for the revelation of who God is. And if there is one thing that you and I must grasp, and it is this, that we must become a people who resemble our Savior. We must become a people who are as passionate and as devoted to prayer as he was. We must become a people that exemplify the first church who was devoted to prayer they were not just devoted to hearing the word they were not just devoted to seeing to breaking bread and fellowship but they were devoted to prayer they were devoted to this thing that was the greatest privilege listen you have got to understand when i talk about prayer the reason why i say this is the greatest privilege is because you have got to understand the price that was paid for you and i to be able to pray you, you, you have to understand what lengths our Savior went to just to make sure that you and I would have a place before the Father. Everything that he suffered, everything you read in the gospel, everything you might have seen in the passion of the Christ, everything that you might, might have seen in some movie or some enactment of what happened on that cross was all for this thing. So we could have relationship with the Father. In other words, so we could pray. So we could seek him with boldness and diligence and we could seek him knowing that he hears us. That is what this thing is about, church. This is why prayer becomes so vital to us. This is why prayer becomes so important. And, and, and the reason why I say it's time to pray is because, you know what, the fact of the matter is most folks, they struggle with prayer. And this is no offense to anybody. Most of us struggle with prayer, so you know what we do? We just don't do it. I think Pastor Chad, he sent me a text message, and I wish I would I, I would I, I would have it, but I'm not going to go through all that right now. But the text message was from, from, from Paul Washer, and some of you men might have got it because I think he sends it out to you. And it says something clearly. He said, we must pray until we can pray. We must struggle in prayer until we can pray. And then we must pray until we've prayed. Does that make any sense to the, to the carnal person? No, but listen to me. If, you, if you're a person who wants God, you understand what that means. That there are moments, even for the most spiritual, the elitist on the spiritual levels. Hello. You know, because we have some of those folks in the body of Christ that they are just elite spiritually. Hello. They're, 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 they're just at a whole nother level in God. 
I'm not one of them. Hello? I'm not one of those. Haven't arrived there yet. There are moments in my life, very, you know, and, and, and I've noticed something. This may sound crazy, but I've noticed this. The older I've become in Christ, the harder it becomes to pray. You want to know why? Because I know the difference between real prayer and just going through the motion prayer. I know the difference between prayer that makes a difference and prayer that has made no difference. I know the difference between the prayer that says, okay, I prayed this time. Oh, well, Bishop, I prayed. Listen to me. Understand something. I I, I want you, and, and, and if there's one thing that I pray to God that you get, as I pray that you get the urgency in your spirit that we need to be a people of prayer. I, I really hope that if there, that, that you don't just write this off as, well, I know how to pray, so I already got that message. Please don't do that. Please, please, please don't think, you know, as I was praying this morning, I began to pray and I said, God, forgive us for thinking we're above your principles. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that sometimes we feel like, well, I already know that. I learned that in Bible college or I learned that by Bible study. I learned that. So I read what Jesus said. I'm good. Wait a second, church. If we are so good, why is our nation in the condition it is? If we are so great, why are some of our families in the condition they are? Hold on a second. There is an importance that we have got to grasp in this area of prayer. God can move mountains, but the question is, are you in line with him? Are you attuned to him? And that way you can be the mountain mover by the grace of God. God can do all kinds of things. He can do wonder. He wants to do great and mighty stuff. But the question is, are we in a position for him to use us? And you want to know what? The bottom line is, man, I can tell you like this unequivocally. The Bible is clear. We can, we can have all the head knowledge in the world, but faith without works is dead. In other words, we can know every single promise in this word, but if we don't see these promises coming to pass, what is the problem? What is the issue? It's like Jesus, when he went up on that mountain, the mountain of transfiguration, and he comes down and his disciples were trying to cast out this, this demon from this kid. And the, and the father was like, listen, I brought my son to your disciples and they weren't able to cast this demon out of him. And so he's like, you know, oh, you have little faith. And he goes and he casts this demon out. And you know what he says, you know, when they ask him, well, why couldn't we do it? He said, well, this type doesn't come out, come out but by fasting and prayer. Most translations, can I tell you what? Most translations in the original text, you want to know what's missing from that statement? The word fasting. Wait a second. Hold on a second. I thought they were walking with Jesus. I thought, well, how, how can that be? So what he's saying is there is an issue. You, you, can, you, you can have this knowledge of Jesus. You can see, oh, Jesus did these great miracles. Jesus did. But are you positioning yourself the same way Jesus did in order to see the miraculous, in order to see the power of God? Because Jesus wasn't playing around. He didn't just know. He said, I don't speak anything except the Father spoke it to me. I don't do anything except I see the Father. And everything, you know what he was saying? He's saying, my life is a life of prayer. And what I do is I commune with God, the Father. The Father, I speak to him. He speaks to me. I follow his direction. This is what our Savior was communicating. And what we have got to grasp is that if we want to be those kind of people, it's going to cost something, church. It is going to cost something. We cannot just think, okay, I'm good and it's all right. No, I'm here to tell you today. Hear me and and listen. You need to hear this prophetically from the Lord so you can wake up. We are not all right. We are not okay. The church, and I'm not just talking about faith, though. I'm talking about the church at large. Hello. We are not okay. We are not good where we are. There has got to be. We talk about new levels. Listen, I know this much. In order for us to go higher, we got to come lower. 
In order for us to move up in God, we better find our, our faces on the floor before God. Because here's the, here's the reality. And see, I know this about faith, though, because this is our church. Glory to God. We, we major, and I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but we major on making sure you understand what the scriptures teach. We major on making sure you know what the word of God says, what the word of God does not say. We major on that. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to major on prayer as well. We've got to major equally on prayer because we can know what the word says. We can be religious and we can understand this is right and that's wrong but where is the power where is it where is it we have all the knowledge we know the promises but where is the power you know where it is locked up in prayer locked up in a prayer closet we want to see revival no we don't god shows revival really are you sure that's what you want because the moment that he, see, because when you really read and you really study and, and, and you really get down to this thing and you really start to understand the price that was paid for revival, I'm not talking about the death after revival came. No, that's glorious. Hello. I'm talking about the soul travail that it takes to get there. Y'all, 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 y'all know about Azusa Street, right? Raise your hand. You know what Azusa Street is. Raise your hand. You know what it is, right? Azusa Street, powerful. That's where the Holy Ghost moving all over, all over the nation. Back then, when you read the history of this, listen, Baptist Church, Holy Ghost. Nazarene Church, Holy Ghost. You want to know what happened? Men got tired of long services, so they decided, hold on, we got to put some structure to this. We can't have these long three, four, five, six, seven, eight-hour services. Hello, somebody. Listen, last week I preached for like an hour and ten minutes. It was like forever for me. Glory to God. And I can imagine you. Listen, you know what Pastor Frank would say about that? Y'all out of shape. That's what he says. Him and I talking about, he's like, man, we go to these churches, they got these long services. You tired looking at your watch? You're out of shape. You're out of shape spiritually. There's something going on. Where where, where is the hunger for God? Listen, and and let me say this clearly. it's, It's very crystal clear to me, and I understand that there are some services that are filled with a bunch of stuff. And not God. I'm not not denying that fact. And so I'm not saying you're out of shape because they got special after special after special that ain't special. I'm 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 not saying that. I'm not saying you're out of shape because you can't. I'm talking about when the Holy Ghost is moving, when the Spirit of God, like, like for example, like this morning, you know, we were in worship, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, it's like we get to this place sometimes, and then it's it's like we're right there. And you know what? Sometimes God wants you to break through, not us. Sometimes God wants you to go to that. I was loving it. Whoever was singing there had that song of the Lord. I wish you would have just belted it out and just kept it going. Glory to God. Because you know what? Sometimes it's got to come from there. Because you know what we do? Okay, well, we, well, we, 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 we felt God. God got a little drip. It's like, it's like you saying, well, yeah, I took a shower. I jumped in there, jumped out, didn't wash nothing, but I took a shower. Did you really bathe? No, you didn't bathe. So when we're talking about this topic of prayer, prayer is of the utmost importance. It is not an optional discipline, church. When we fully understand the power of prayer, it will become a priority in our lives. When you read the history of Azusa Street, as I was talking about earlier, a couple of moments ago, when you read that history, you find a man by the name of Frank Bartleman. 
This man, Frank Bartleman, you know, he was a man of God in prayer. And let me explain to you when I talk about prayer. This guy, when you read about him, he wasn't the most healthy person. You want to know why? Because he was constantly in yearning and brokenness before the presence of God. This guy was spending nights of prayer in the church building. He was spending nights in prayer, groaning before the presence of God, crying out to God, looking at the condition of his world, recognizing, God, we need a move of your spirit. And not just we need a move of your spirit but when the spirit began to move he didn't stop there he continued to pray because he was saying man if these churches and men with mindsets that are wrong get a hold of this they're going to quench this move of God and you want to know what that is exactly what happened because men got tired of waiting on God you want to know why because it cost something hear me church It costs something. You really want God? It is going to cost you. You really want his presence? It is going to cost you. If you don't want it, then listen. All I'm telling you is you're going to be that person that's just going to be there just kind of like in the limbo spiritually. Hello. And just in that realm, okay, you come to church and whatever. But look, God is looking to call those who want a deeper him. Listen, who want more of him who are not depending on the worship team, who are not depending on the preachers, who are not depending on the spiritual ones to build them up, but they are coming with something. They are bringing, not just to church either. Hear me. But you know where this comes from, church? It comes from this thing called prayer. It comes from this thing that, that, that the first church, that our Savior, they were serious about it serious about it listen good programming is great i'm down with it good music wonderful good preaching i do my best but hear me all of that is for not if it's not birthed not bathed in prayer you know what our problem is our problem is we want to plan And pray over our plans. Oh, Bishop, what's wrong with that? Well, I'm going to do all these plans and then I'm going to pray, God, bless this. Did God even say do that? Oh, but we have to do it. Why? Why do do you have to do it? Why do you have to do it? You don't? See, what we have to learn is that our lives need to come from prayer. Our life decisions come from prayer. We don't just make decisions and pray over them. That's the issue with us. Think about, I mean, you know what? Let's just get real deep right now. Think about your life. Think about where you are right now. Think about the decisions that you have made in your life. Now, I want you to think about this as well. How many of those decisions were birthed in prayer? Now think about some of the hardships, some of the difficulties that you went through. Oh, we know that we, we, we understand fully that the scripture teaches us many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them of them all. We understand all of that. Glory to God. But I'm talking about those decisions that you know that you know that you know. Had you prayed before instead of, oh, God, please fix this mess, there would have never been a mess because you would never walked in that direction. You would have never, listen, you would have never done that. You would have never made that decision because that was not the right one. But you know what we want to do? We want to say, okay, well, you know what? I know God is with me, so I'm going to just make this decision. I'm going to do this, and we're good to go. Church, we need to repent. 
we need to really come before God because we're crying out to him. And, and we're crying out to him for the right. We're, we're crying out for his mercy. We're crying out for his grace. We're crying out for the right thing. I'm not telling you that's the wrong thing. But what I'm telling you is you could spend a lot more time praying for a lot different things than just praying, oh, God, deliver me from this mess. Get me out of this situation. Fix this problem. If what? If we would be a people of prayer. Repeat this after me. Every biblical move of God has always been preceded by prayer. The Bible shows us a pattern. When you look at this, whether you realize this or not, this cross movement, so to speak, was a move of God. This was a move of God to save humanity. You understand that? It, did, it didn't look beautiful. It, did, it didn't look great. It didn't look like when you think of a move of God, you just think of like, you know, floating and glory and power. And that, that, that is a move of God. But when you look at these things here, this was a move of God. The wrath of God right here was a move of God to what? To save you and I. Understand that. And before this move happened, Jesus was burdened with labor pains and prayer. He began to pray. When you read your Bible and you go back to the book of Genesis, you find something that happens. The scripture says that God was about to strike Sodom and Gomorrah. And what does he do? The Bible says he speaks to his friend Abraham. Remember that that story there? He speaks to Abraham. And what does Abraham begin to do? Go about his merry way and go have lunch? Immediately when he heard the word of the Lord, the Bible says he begins to intercede. It doesn't say he began to intercede like that, but it shows us a picture of intercession. He begins to talk to God the Father, and he begins to ask him, well, if you find this many people, and you find this many people, will you still destroy this? So what was he doing? He was making a plea. He was pleading with God. He was crying out, and he was saying, God, I need you to answer me. You know why? Because there was something that was connected to him in that city. You know what it was? Lot. He had something there. He began to pray. What happened? His prayers brought deliverance to who? Lot and his family. The scripture's there for us for a reason. To understand some folks are depending on your prayers. So when you don't want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray when the Holy Ghost is waking you up, when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning every day and you're wondering what is wrong with me, pray. I know it don't make no sense. I'm, I got to get up. Listen, if the Holy Spirit has you up, trust me, he's going to get you through your day. Sometimes we act like God don't know what he's doing. God, why are you waking me up at 2 o'clock in the morning to pray? Can you wait till 4? No. I need an intercessor right now. Because what happens, I mean, I mean just, I, I want you to understand this. What happens, and we're going to talk about urgency later on, but what happens when the Holy Spirit is waking you up to pray at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you don't realize why, but what happened was someone was just in a club, got into a fight with their boyfriend or girlfriend, thinking about killing himself, and the Holy Spirit has you up to do what? Pray? You ever think about it like that? See, instead of, instead of being bothered because the Spirit of God is waking you up, how about you think, man, God, how, how am I partnering with you? How am I interceding on behalf of I don't know who? But we want prayer to be convenient, No. Real prayer is going to cost us, church. Real prayer is going to cost us. 
The second thing that we see, I'll just give you two examples. I want to give you one in the book of Genesis, and then I'll give you one in the book of Acts. The Bible tells us clearly Jesus spoke to his disciples. Remember, now, now I want you to understand the, the, the connection here. God speaks to Abraham, word of the Lord, speaks to Abraham. Abraham begins to pray. Based on the word of the Lord, Abraham begins to pray. Then we see in the book of Acts that Jesus is with his disciples, and his disciples are talking to him, having this conversation. Are you going to fulfill your promise now? And Jesus says, no. He says, but you need to wait in Jerusalem till you are endued with power. The scripture says what? That immediately he goes up into heaven, and what do they do? Go and have, a, have lunch? No, they start praying. Because the word of God motivated them to pray. And what we have got to realize is that when God is trying to move, when he's trying to do something, he's going to do what? He is going to speak to us like he's doing today. He is going to speak to us, and he's waiting to see how we're going to respond. Are we going to go ahead and fold the paper of notes and put it in our Bible and get it lost in the car somewhere? Or are we going to allow the Spirit of God to move in our heart? And listen, I'm not trying to be rough. I'm trying to be sincere because this is something that has got to burn inside of us. This is something that has got to awaken within us. This is something that needs to begin to... Something has to change and break inside of our hearts because God is speaking and he is speaking and he wants to move and he wants to do things. But where are his people? We're caught up in our own lives. So where does he have room? Oh, I know he has room to fix the messes we make because we don't pray. I know. To show us mercy because we made bad decisions. What I'm trying to do, and I've said this before, man, we need to be the kind of people that are on our face before him before we get into all kind of stuff. We need to be those type of people that are given to prayer. Every historical revival has been traced back to a praying few Hear me now. God is calling the church. Sadly, only a few of us will truly respond. Sadly. Sadly. But when you look at these revivals, you find the praying few, modern day revivals. You know what you find in the first church revival? You find the entire church present in prayer. Glory to God. 120 people crying out to God. 10 days straight, three times a day. Come on, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Come on, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Come on, Holy Spirit. Do what you said you're going to do. Come on, Jesus. Send the counselor. Come on, Jesus. We want to go forward. We don't want to go forward in our own plans. We don't want to go forward in our own ability. They began to pray. The whole church was there. Now, now listen to me. Now, now, we say we want revival, right? Amen, 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 amen. Right? We want revival. But the question is, are we making it to prayer? We make it easy here. Sadly, we make it easy. Nine o'clock in the morning, Sundays, come on to pray. We're, 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 we're about to start having special prayer. We have one, we have a special prayer service on Tuesday nights. We want to do something. We want to pray in your house on the first Tuesday of every month. Not in everybody's house, obviously, but we want to pray wherever you would like us to come and pray. And if we can't pray at someone's house, right here in the church, we have prayer time, the first Tuesday of every month, to just come together and cry out to God. Because what? Because we realize that we need him. We realize that we don't have enough of God. And when I say we need him, church, and we don't have enough of him, I don't mean that we don't have enough. I have enough of God for me to go to heaven right now. I'm good. But I realize that I don't have enough of the power of God to change this world the way that God wants to do it. And so I realize that I am truly, truly dependent upon him. Therefore, I have a desire to pray. I have a desire to seek his face. I have a desire to know him on a greater level than what I do because I realize that what I've done is not enough. But whenever you look at revival, you will, it will always be traced back to a praying few who are burdened, who are broken, and who are believing in prayer. They are burdened by the word of God. 
They are burdened by the promises that are found in the word of God. They are a people that look at the word. They look at the book of Acts and they see this and their hearts become heavy because they start to see my goodness. Look at the power of God manifesting in those cities in that time. Look at what is going on. They begin to read scriptures like the book of Mark where God has given this commission and he communicates that these signs shall follow. They begin to read scriptures like the book of Luke where God says to tarry and wait for power. They begin to read scriptures and they see that the, that, that the gospel preaching is the power of God unto salvation and then they begin to become broken over the condition of the world. They begin to become broken over the condition of the church. They begin to say, wait a second. This is what the word of God says was going on. When I look at the church, I don't see these things. I don't see these things going on. I don't see the passion for souls. I don't see the passion for prayer. I don't see the passion for the word. I don't see the passion in these lives. And then they begin to look at their cities and they say, wait a second. If the church was on fire in the book of Acts and the church was filled with Holy Ghost power and the cities were being turned upside down, then what they do is they deduce and they say, well, the reason why the city is in turmoil, the reason why the families are being destroyed, the reason why situations are the way they are is because the church is in the condition it is in. Therefore, I'm going to take it personal and be a person who is going to begin to believe in prayer that what I see happening in the word of God can happen in my days, but the question is, am I willing to be like them? Am I willing to be like them? Am I willing to truly give myself to prayer? When you look at it, that's the pattern. And guess what, church? That pattern is not going to change. That pattern will remain the same. Well, and then you have the ones that are in the church. They say, well, you know, prophecy has to be fulfilled. And so that means we need to live in perilous times. People need to love themselves. People need to... I agree 100%. But you want to know something that I realized? Those scriptures have, were written years and years ago. And you know how many revivals have occurred since those scriptures were written? So you know what that teaches me? That teaches me that if God is the same yesterday, we believe this, right? Today and forevermore, then you know what? I am going to rent, listen, I am going to rend my garments in prayer, meaning that I'm going to be broken before him as much as possible because I, listen, I do not want to be the generation, hear me now, church, I do not want to be the generation that just went on ahead and waved the white flag and said, come what may, whatever happens, it's all good with me because church is not all good with me. It is not okay with me. I don't want to be that generation because I realize this. You know what? I would rather die in prayer and fasting, seeking the face of Almighty God for a true move of God than to go on ahead and just accept what come what may. To go before God and to find out, son, I wanted to send revival to your generation. Son, I wanted to send revival to the generation under you. And son, I called you to be that intercessor. I called you to be that man of prayer. I called, I called you for these things. I don't want to go before him to hear that because then it's too late. I know some people believe that the saints are up there interceding. There's one person that's interceding according to the scripture, and that's Jesus Christ. He lives, ever liveth, to make intercession for us. Hear me. So I don't want to be that person, and I pray that you don't want to be that person. I pray that you do not want to be that person that goes up there and says, you know what, man, hold on a second. When I looked at the, the history of, of, of my nation, just, just look at the history of your nation. Look at the history of what God has done. Listen, God is just looking for people to do it through. He's looking for people to do it through. 
I want you to notice something in this scripture here. In this scripture, I want you to understand the importance of prayer. In this scripture that we find, we see Jesus is praying, right? Jesus is having this conversation with God the Father. And as he's communicating with God the Father, he is there and he is saying, Father, if it is your will, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, right? He goes on to tell his disciples when he comes back to them, then he comes to his disciples, verse 40. He said, then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, what is Jesus communicating? Jesus is saying, listen, son. He's talking to his disciples, and he's saying, my flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. That's why he's praying. He's not sinful. Understand, there's a difference between being in a weak moment and being sinful. Two totally different things. Jesus was weak. His flesh at that moment caused him to cry out to God the Father and say, Father, if it is possible, my flesh is overwhelmed. My emotions are overwhelmed. If it is possible for you to take this cup from me, do it. Not your will or not my will, your will. Not my will, your will. When he comes to his disciples, he says to them, listen, you just said to me, you die with me. You just said to me, you would not betray me. You, you, you would not walk away from me. You just said that to me. And you know what I'm telling you, sons and daughters? The spirit is willing. That is really in your heart. You really don't want to deny me. You really don't want to walk away. From, you really don't want to. You really don't. But if you don't pray, you know what you're going to do? Enter into temptation. You know what the temptation is? The temptation is to deny him. The temptation is to walk away. The temptation is to give up. If you don't pray, you're going to give up. If you don't pray, the same way as if I don't pray, Jesus, if Jesus didn't pray, because remember, 100% God, 100% man, if he didn't pray, he would have fell into the temptation. And what's that? I'm not going to fulfill the destiny. Hear me, church. Jesus wasn't praying just to, oh, I just want to show them. No, no, no. If, if that was the case, it would have been fake. You understand me? Jesus was sincerely going through a turmoil at this moment. And he knew that his disciples were going to go through the same turmoil on an even greater level when he was taken, beaten, crucified. They were going to go through some stuff. So what we see here is really clear. Our Savior, he couldn't endure the cross without his praying. His disciples, they didn't overcome temptation to deny him and doubt him because of their lack of prayer. Did you hear me? Jesus needed to pray. He needed to connect with his father. He needed to get together with him. The same way that he did, so did his disciples. You see the difference. You see the example of two different people here. You see the one that will pray, the one that will respond, and then you see the other one that will not. So the question is, which one are you going to be? Are you going to be the one that responds? Are you going to be the one that says, God, I need you in order to overcome? Because there are plenty of temptations for us to deny our, our, our relationship with him. Every time, listen to me, every time that you sin, hear me. I know, I, I know this, is, this is going to be heavy for some of y'all. Every time you sin, you're denying your relationship with him. Did you hear me? 
Every time you sin, you're saying, I'm not in allegiance with him. Every time you do something that is contrary to his word, that's what you're communicating. Did I say that he doesn't forgive? Not at all. But what I do say is this, is that you don't have to continue to walk in the same sin over and over and over and over again. Because he gives us the key to getting over temptation. What does he say? Pray. Pray. Why are you bound with temptation? Why are you falling into sin? Are you praying? Are you, I mean, let's be real. Are you praying? Are you really seeking him? I'm closing right now. Are you praying? Are you seeking him? Are you truly, truly devoted to him in prayer? Are you truly, truly seeking him? Because he tells me, pray. Your spirit is willing. Your flesh is weak. So what that tells me is the same way that our Savior overcame, the same way that our Savior was victorious is the same way you and I can be victorious. But the key, church, the key is prayer. I say it like this. Biblically rooted prayer is the key to victory in faith. I'm not talking about desperate prayers. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about just desperate prayers because I'm going through something hard. No, I'm talking about prayers that connect you with the promises of God's word that are dependent prayers. Dependent upon what the word of God teaches. Biblically rooted prayer. That's the goal, church. That's the key. And so the question is, are you praying for real? This first message, the first part, entitled. I didn't even tell you the title of the message. I told you the title of the series is Rise and Pray. Rise and Pray. We're going to look at the rest of this story in detail next week. But right here, church, are you praying? Are you really given to prayer? And listen, even if you say yes, I want to let you know something. We are not praying enough. So I'll stand to our feet, please. Let's bow our heads.